Speaks Radio. I'm Lori LeBay, the host and founder. Um, my mom actually had dementia for 30 years and it changed my life, changed my career, and what a gift I found wrapped in illness. Who, who would have thunk? <laughs> you know, it's just one of those things. So I created Alzheimer Speaks, which is an advocacy-based platform to connect people around the world, to give them hope, and to kind of shift our dementia care culture from crisis to comfort. I felt so lost as a daughter, not knowing what to do, knowing that there had to be more resources out there, but how do you find them? No one's sharing. And so Alzheimer Speaks was created to lift everyone's voice so that we can all pick and choose what's going to work for us and our families and, and with our friends in this situation. And the lovely thing I think I found in this process was all these beautiful life lessons of becoming a better person that can be applied to, to all of your life. So I want to also thank our listeners because your likes, your clicks, your shares have, have just elevated our, our profile on the internet. And I, I never dreamed of this being something that would be an international connection. So it's just been a blessing to hear from you and to be able to talk with all the people that I that I talk with about what they're doing and how they're coping and how that might be able to help you. So I hope you continue to, to like and click and share because you are making a difference. You are helping raise the level of conversation and the comfort level about talking about dementia. Now today we are really lucky to have with us someone who is, I think, just going to fill your heart with joy. He has a great story about himself and his dad, and I'm kind of titling this episode Singing and Celebrating Dementia Side by Side, because I think that's what, what uh, Simon uh, um, McDermott and his dad, Teddy, um, do. Now, Simon, who is with us today, is the son of Teddy, and Teddy is 80 years old, and he is kind of nicknamed the Song A Minute Man, and he was diagnosed in 2013, and Teddy and, and Simon did a carpool karaoke video that went viral all across, all across the globe, and it helped raise $150,000, or I should say pounds, probably, um, in, uh, for the Alzheimer's uh, Society. They also won the Pride of Britain Award for raising dementia awareness. So welcome, Simon. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to, to be with us. No, no, it's good. It's, I'm quite amazed. Um, your mum had dementia for 30 years. That's a really long, you know, that's, that's a really long time. Yeah, she, she wasn't officially diagnosed because the first 10 years the doctors kept telling her it was her hormones. And my mom would say, this ain't my girlfriend's hormones. I mean, she just knew. It's 35 years ago, and she, she knew the word Alzheimer's back then. I, I don't know how. She wasn't really computer savvy. 
Um, it was just kind of a mystery to us, but she was very adamant that that's, that's what she had. And um, she was very scared, and so were we. So how old was she when she was first diagnosed? She was in her mid-50s, and she died at 86. And, and I truly believe she lived as long as she did because she felt connected. Uh, you know, she, she still had purpose right. in her life. I just so believe in, you know, how powerful our connections are. And I think you, you and your dad really just elevate that to new heights, showing people what can be done and, and what people can still do. And, <laughs> and, and we're going to talk about what you got out of the experience as well. So Simon, if you don't mind giving our audience a little background on your dad, I mentioned, you know, when he got diagnosed, but what kind of symptoms were you seeing as a family or um, did he figure it out first? The main thing with dad was the aggression. That was the main thing. Now, when I look back and I can, I can, I can see dad was getting slightly forgetful, but it, I didn't really worry about that. I just thought he was, it was old age. And then he started um, just doing really odd things like being really hypervigilant with security, putting like, um, wire everywhere around the back garden and um, his behavior was quite odd really but I didn't really think it was anything to do with Alzheimer's but then the real problem started with the aggression and dad's aggression was yeah it was quite terrifying he would be very he would go off off the handle to, to, to levels that we'd never seen before dad used to have a short temper but not to the extent that we was living with it was terrifying to be around that's, that was the main problem, really. Did he notice the difference in himself? Well, actually, yeah, he started off because he, um, I, I, I think he must have done, but he was kind of hiding it because he kind of like, he always wanted to, when I used to ask him what he wanted for birthday or Christmas, he always said he wanted brain training books, you know, for like puzzle books that you could do to like improve your brain and memory. So he used to do them. I, I didn't think about it at the time. I just thought it was dad being interested in like, you know, puzzles and crosswords and things like that. Mm -hmm. But he was, I think he must have known something wasn't right because he was doing, he was doing all these things. But I think, yeah, I don't know. I mean, um, I think dad was in a lot of denial and he's, he's always been in denial about it. He's still all, all through the illness. He was never, he could never accept it really. And even if you mentioned dementia or anything, he would go ballistic, you know, there'd be, you, you would, you would, well, we, we didn't even mention it because it'd be too terrifying to be around that. So, yeah, well, and, and he's exhibiting how terrified he, he would be, you know, to, to be called that, to have that diagnosis. Those stigmas are so heavy. And um, I, I know with my mom, you know, her big, she would talk about it, but she was like, I don't want to be a burden. I, I just, I don't want to do it. She was so worried about us and um, how, how it could affect really? our lives. And, and yet, I remember doing a show one time about, you know, what would you do if you got dementia? What would you want? And we were talking about, you know, life. And, you know, some people say, you know, they want to take their lives. Others say, that's against my religion. And we did this two-hour special on it at the very end. And we had all different disciplines. We had doctors and attorneys, and we had people with dementia, and we had care partners. And, and they said, well, Lori what would you want? And I, I just said, you know, I'm a girl that wants my options. I don't know if I'll ever tap into them, but I like my options. I said, but 
on the other hand, I wouldn't have given up one second of those 30 years with my mom. You know, as, as difficult some, really? as some of those moments were, um, what I learned and, and what I received from her in terms of learning about levels of unconditional love, I, I, would, I would never let that go. That was just, it was too powerful. Um, and I always thought it was a good person to begin with, you know, but I just, I think she really taught me to be a much better person and to pay more attention and to slow down, which I still have to, you know, make myself slow down sometimes or put down my phone and, and be in the present moment. But I'm, I'm much more conscious of it now. And, um, and so I can't yeah, imagine that fear. Go ahead. You said before about having all these life lessons. Um, yeah, I think I've learned so much in the last few years just about life, really. Um, and just about, I guess, without people as well. And like what, I think it's like psychology or something and how, how people tick, you know, what, what actually is important, you know, what's important in life, you know. I mean, like me and dad weren't really that close growing up. You know, I didn't, we didn't, you know, we just weren't close. We were like chalk and cheese. But I've had this opportunity to spend all this time with dad and, you know, get to know him 10 times more than I ever would do, you know. And I've, it sounds really weird, but I, I'm, I'm, saying dad, I'm grateful dad's got Alzheimer's, but um, I'm grateful that a time I've been able to spend with him, you know, and develop this new bond, really. Yeah, and I don't think that's unusual. I, I've had so, several professionals, colleagues and friends say, I envy you. And I'm like, what do you mean? And they're like, I don't have those stories with my folks. They're healthy. So we don't spend that time together. They're like, you have all these great stories. And, it, you know, it just, it just, I had to step back and go, I really do. I really was blessed. I have, <laughs> I, I had this time, even though it was illness that brought us together. It's sad that sometimes we don't connect until something like that happens. And some people never do. I, I always say that like dad could have just slipped away and I would have never had that chance to spend to, to learn about my dad and who he was and what makes him tick, you know, and a lot of, I realized a lot of my dad's aggression when he, when he had Alzheimer's, it comes from his fear, you know, and that opened up a whole new box of like, you know, my dad was quite a big personality growing up. He was quite, you know, very overly confident. He was a showman. Um, but do you know what? I realized that that, that wasn't dad. Dad's actually quite insecure underneath it. And he's quite not a shy person, but he's kind of, um, he's got a quite gentle. He's quite sensitive, but he put on this big act of being this big, hard man, but he's not at all. He's very sensitive. And like the whole thing of when he was diagnosed, well, when he had Alzheimer's and, you know, you, when I saw the fear in his eyes, like a number of times, cause he always thought if we took him out, he always thought we were taking, taking him out to, be put into a home mm -hmm. and um when when he you could see the fear in his eyes but he'd also get very aggressive so it was kind of trying to understand what was going on with dad really and you yeah and understanding that you like i say the aggression came from his fear really so yeah i um just saw a movie called i don't know if you've, you've heard about this probably because it started over there with uh dr david shared the butterfly model which is a kind of a small group home type concept. Um, but they 
don't do their staff training like uh, like most companies here in the U.S. do. It's, you know, talk about all the, the technical, medical kind of model about dementia. They, they get their staff together and they talk about their own vulnerabilities in order to get them to appreciate oh, really? how vulnerable a person with dementia is. And that changes everything. Because we all know we don't like to go to that spot. We don't like being vulnerable. We don't like being scared. <laughs> and so if you can, if you can realize that's what's happening so often with somebody with dementia is they're very uncomfortable with the situation, but they might not be able to communicate it. And I thought, what a brilliant way to train staff and, and families, you know, to realize, you know, to, to track back as to what's really the cause, not just what it appears to be, you know, where we just put it in a box and say this is what it yeah. is. But like you say, like the main thing we've done was, was the aggression, aggression really. And we had like, we didn't know what to do. We had no, we, I mean, we just thought that that was how dad was, you know, and, um, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't a great guy to be around really. But, um, yeah, as soon as we realized that, as soon as we thought that, you know, the, this is all comes from dad's fear, then we could change everything really. Mm-hmm. And it was like, then when we started taking dad out singing, that changed everything. That was a massive, massive change really. Because we, we were literally, dad was diagnosed and then you just left really. No, there's no more advice really. That's why, I mean, I, the only advice we got was from the Alzheimer's Society. You know, the doctor gave dad the diagnosis and you get a leaflet and then that was it. You know, it's like, right, you sort it out for yourself, really. And that was the only kind of stuff that we had at the time. So the only, the only reason, the breaking point was when it was quite obvious that I was really worried about mum's safety. And I took mum to a doctor again and it was a different doctor. And um, she, she, she pushed into different directions of what we should do and where we can get advice and everything. But um, yeah, it was an awful time, really. It's so common all around the world where people go in, like you said, they get diagnosed. Some are lucky if they even get a leaflet or a brochure. You know, most don't even get a number of, you know, where to call if it's the Alzheimer's Society or the Alzheimer's uh, Association. And they might get a medication and they usually always get another appointment (laughs) to come back, you know, so the doctors are making money, but the families are really, are really left in, in the lurches trying to, trying to maneuver this. And, you know, we need more training. We need more communication. We need, we need professionals and and medical staff and families working together because we all have an impact. Uh, this and we all see different things and have different knowledge and until we have these open conversations and until we raise everyone's voice and share that knowledge you know we're just all going to sit and spin and so that's I, I'm so thankful for the yeah. internet to be able to connect with you now in your family are there others that are supporting your dad as well or is it just you so it's just literally just me and my mum so um, it's quite intense. <laughs> mm-hmm. Even though it's really difficult and there's days where it's like, I feel like tearing my hair out. Um, like I say, you know, we have really good days and they kind of outweigh the bad ones, you know. When dad's in a great mood and he's in a great place and because he doesn't really know me as his son anymore, but he knows me as the driver. <laughs> and um, he tells everybody about the driver, you know. <laughs> so... Yeah, we have a completely different relationship and we're very close. Like, um, 
I'm I'm just grateful that I've had like these t- this time with dad really because it like I say it woke me up to to realize that dad's not going to be around forever and mm. you know you, you've got to spend time with people you know your family and things like that you know because they can be gone in an instant really I guess for me I've had a second chance to reconnect with dad and and what a beautiful gift that is you know to to learn about a man you didn't know you know, or a part of him that you didn't know existed, you know, that he, that he is vulnerable and he is scared and he's, he's not as sure-footed as you always thought he was, you know, and, and is confident. And, and, and I know many family members struggle with not being identified. My older brother had a really difficult time because my mom would call him um, her brother. She would call him Chuck and his name was Mark. And he's like, how can, how can she not know me after 50 years? You know, how can she? And, and, and it was all about him. It wasn't about mom. And I said, you know, Mark, she loved her brother. That's, that's a compliment. And I said, if you go look in the mirror, you look a lot like Chuck yeah. when he was younger. And, you know, and knowing that they've gone back in time and just for your dad kind of bragging and telling everybody that you're the driver. He's, he's comfortable. He's confident. He's, he's proud, you know, of, of the position that you've allowed him to be in. And, and that's a, that's a gift. I, t- I took him to a, a, a care home yesterday to try and get like a day, a daycare kind of organized just so that mum can get a break. But I had to go and speak to a manager for like five minutes and I left dad with one of the nurses just talking but then when I came back out, he was like, oh, here he is. Here he is, the driver. And he was really excited that, you know, we had this connection because I could see that he was really excited that I was there because um, he thought we was going to go singing and everything. So, yeah, we've had some good times, really. I mean, we've had some bad times where he's tried to kill me <laughs> and he's chased me around the house. But we've also had some really good times. I mean, like there was one time when um, this is years ago when he came down to London and um, I took him for a walk around the South Bank because um, mum was mum looked exhausted and she just needed a break and that so I took him out and um, I took him to a pub and we got a drink and he sat down and he didn't know he was talking to me his son and he started telling me about his son and he was like tell me all he was telling me all this stuff about what he does and I was like this is crazy because you know he's telling me about me you know and he was so proud it was so like that was a gift really because he would never have said that the stuff that he was, he was telling me at the time he was telling me like when he realized who I was and you know, he was saying some horrible things, but then he was told, he was sat in a pub talking to a stranger about his son, which was me. You know, it was just the most weirdest situation, you know? Yeah. It just confirms that connection. Even when, you know, sometimes certain personalities just can't, can't say those things to somebody and then you you hear it, you know, kind of sideways, you know, kind of going, but but I'm here, hello, you know, it's me. Um, but it, it, talking to a stranger was was safe for him, and in you know he wanted to get that out, even if he couldn't tell you, you know. And that's um, you know I've had those mm-hmm. moments too where it's like, wow, you know, my mom used to call me her mom all the time. And she ended up moving into the nursing home because my dad ended up having to move in there because of brain cancer. And the plan was always for my mom to stay home with us. And one day she woke up really clear. You know how they get those just clear, clear moments sometimes. And she said, 
I want to move into the nursing home. And the only thing out of my mouth was, but that's not the plan. You know, that's not the plan. I said, mom, why would you want to move into the nursing home? And she said, and it still brings tears to my eyes when I, when I say this, she said, we've been together 49 and a half years and I'm not leaving them now. And it's just like, she knew, she knew that relationship with my dad. So, you know, I made everything, I did everything possible to have her move in. And of course they wanted her to live with my dad. And I said, no, she doesn't need to watch him die or we're going to lose them both. So she was on the highest functioning floor, even though she couldn't tell you what clothes to put on, you know, that were appropriate for the weather. She couldn't tell you the day. She couldn't remember a lot of things. She was highly social. And so I said, I want her to have one meal and do one activity every day on the floor. And the rest of the time, I'm, I won't work. And I'll just bring her up to the other floor to visit dad. And we did that for like two months. And when my dad died, she was totally acclimated to her floor. During the funeral, she she was busy taking care of everyone else because that's what she'd always done. It, but she didn't really make the connection yeah. that the man in the casket was her husband of almost 50 years. And she would, um, when I would come to the, the nursing home, she would say, and there's my mother. And she takes such good care of me. And she'd tell all her friends this. <laughs> and it would just make my heart melt. And one day, my older brother the one who she would call her brother, he was there and he's like, doesn't that just make you mad? And I said, Mark, this is such a gift. And he's like, well, how, how is it a gift? You're not grandma. I don't get that, Lori. I said, Mark, you got to remember mom and grandma did not have a good relationship at all. Grandpa died when mom was 15 from a massive heart attack. And her, her mother had a nervous breakdown and she left my mom home alone while she traveled around the world. So my mom had some abandonment issues with her mother and somehow through our relationship that healed. And I thought, how cool is that to be part of that? You know, I didn't, I don't, I didn't do anything. I didn't plan that, but to be able to give somebody that type of healing and comfort just through your presence. I think sometimes we just have to kind of reframe how we look at things and really look for the the gifts that are there because they're there and not that we're not going to have tough times. I mean, I can, I could go down the rabbit hole and name all the times I wanted to pull my hair out and scream like a banshee, but life without dementia is like that too. It's, it's not always perfect. So, um, Simon, I really want you to talk about how music helped helped you reconnect with your dad and and what that's meant to you and to him. Yeah, I mean, like, so, well, dad's always sung all his life. He's been a singer. So he's sung since he was 16. Um, but then when, when he got quite ill, he stopped singing. And uh, we just, I just put it down to old age in this. And uh, I, basically, how it, well, the reason why I took, used to take dad out in the car was because I used to, I was living in London, mum and dad were in Blackburn, and I wanted to, when I used to visit mum and dad, and to give mum a break from dad's like aggression, I'd say, right dad, come on, I need your help, can you get in the car with me? And we'd go on these drives for like a couple of hours, just so mum had like a couple of hours a day where she wasn't getting threatened or would be no abuse or anything like that. And um, that's how it started. And initially he was like really 
you know, he called me every name under the sun. He was calling mum every name under the sun. And then one day I had his backing tracks with me and um, I put them on and um, he started singing. And then I saw, oh, you know, he's, he's really happy. So it became his thing that we did. And then we dropped, literally, we'd drive around for hours singing and then he started talking to me again. And we had this, we developed this relationship of like, became really close and he always became happy. So every time Dad was starting to get aggressive, I'd take him out again for an, I was like, right, come on, let's go in the car. We'll go for another drive. And um, I don't know how, I must have driven to the moon and back literally <laughs> because, yeah, we just drive, drive around for hours singing. <laughs> But, um, oh, very cool. Yeah, was, but you could see the difference. Mm-hmm. Did your mom see the difference Sorry. in him when you'd come back home? Yeah, Did definitely. Cool. And he'd be, it would be excited. Yeah, he'd be smiling again. And, you know, like about two or three hours afterwards, we'd have no aggression. He'd be back to dad again, you know, happy and, you know, not not a nasty person. You know, he would, when I say the aggression was off the, off the scale it was off the scale and it was quite it was terrifying and there's a number of times we thought we need to get dad sectioned or taken away or something like that um but luckily we stuck it out you know we stuck it out for, you know it, but it was it was it was good to be able to I mean, it, it was it was it, i don't know if it was the right or the wrong thing to do but uh, it now it was the right thing to do because dad's still here and he could have easily gone into home and we could have lost him a lot sooner really now you did the the video you know that went viral can you can you tell people about that what what inspired you to just grab the camera and and take a picture of of what was going on i wanted a recording of dad being happy (laughs) that's how it started because when i took that out I, i wanted to record him because he was so aggressive at home i wanted a recording from me of my dad actually being happy and so I could give it to mum as well and that's how it started and then I put one of these videos on Facebook and just because all my friends knew what a bad time we were going through and there was this one day and we had a really nice day and dad was singing he was really happy and I thought I'm going to put this on Facebook and um, my friends started to share that video and I was like well if they're sharing that video I could I could fundraise for the Alzheimer's Society and put a link to um, a fundraising page. So I just did that. Every time I went out with dad, I put a video on with a link to where people could do, to donate. And it just went, it went crazy. I mean, I, was, I think it was, I put about four or five videos on previous to the Quando video and it slowly built up, but it was when I put the Quando video on and it literally went, um, overnight it went crazy. It really went massive. Do you <laughs> so, know how many hits you got? Yeah. I'm trying to think what actually, well, it was, it was weird because what happened was initially the video got a hundred thousand hits initially. And I was like, but I got all these messages coming in, like a significant amount of messages coming in and a crazy amount of donations. And I couldn't work out how, 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 how big it had got because, because of all the donations in this. So I did a search on Facebook, on the internet and I found that a news site in America had grabbed the video from my Facebook page and put it on their Facebook page with a link to the donation page. And that video on their site had um, 20 million hits overnight. Oh and I was like, oh my God, it's, you know, it was, the, the, yeah, the video was going like, the video had been taken off my page and gone literally on different people's pages and people making copies of it. And um, so, I think it was 60 million hits we had for that video. 
I think it was like that. So, but it was but it was copied so many times. I think it must have been a few hundred million. <laughs> I think so because it was it was on every on yeah. It went around the world because it was like I was getting phone calls from like friends in Australia, in like um, Spain, saying that it was on the national news, and it was just like this is crazy. <laughs> yeah, so it was it was a, the most surreal. Moment. It was the most surreal moment of my entire life. It really was. I was actually quite frightened initially because I was like, what have I done? You know, I, I wasn't prepared for this. You know, I thought like I'd raised 500 pounds maximum. You know, I wasn't expecting all that to happen really. So it was really amazing. It was, yeah, very, I get goosebumps now when I think about it because it was just crazy really. So. Well, I, to me, that just shows people, they want hope. You know, they want to know that there can be good life with dementia that there can still be connections. And, and I think people are tired of, you know, for so many years, everything has been so fear-based. And more and more people, this is happening yeah, yeah. too. I mean, it's hard not to talk to somebody who doesn't know somebody who's, who's dealing with this. Um, and so I, I think it's a, a beautiful thing. I had done um, little videos with my mom and music too when she was in her end stages and she couldn't sing but you could just still see the joy you know she she would smile and she had these chipped rotten teeth you know but her dimples showed and she got the glint in her eyes and her her hands would start going in her toes and and then and then she'd fall asleep again you know and then she'd wake back up and I mean, I've walked into concert or, or um, conferences and my mom's on the big screen. Some other presenters using, you know, that video, probably like they're using yours to say this, there's still a connection. It's still possible. Look how cool this is. Again, what a, what a neat gift you gave the world in terms of sharing, sharing your dad and giving others some ideas of, of how to connect. So from that, it, was it correct that you ended up with a record deal for your dad? Well, dad, dad got a record deal. Yeah, we got like, because it went so viral. And then um, I literally I was getting thousands of messages in from all across the world. Um, people were like pouring their hearts out, you know, about their own stories. And then all of a sudden, in, in the midst of all this, I got an email from Decca Records. And um, they said, would you be interested in doing a charity single? And, and we'll get a band together. And I was like, this is amazing. This is like, you know, because dad had never made a CD in his life and everything. And, um, yeah, they, 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 well, we went to the Abbey Road studios and we had, it was, they got a full orchestra, which was just amazing. We walked into a room and we were, I had no idea how this was going to go, you know, how dad would react. You know, he was very, very quite confused. He was quite aggressive that morning. And, um, yeah, we walked into this room and it was a full orchestra. And I was like taken away. We was just blown away by the whole thing, really. Um, and just going to Abbey Road and that whole experience, you know, it's been <laughs> really surreal. The whole thing has been completely surreal, really. And um, yeah, there's been some, like I say, amazing moments, just like, it felt like being in a film, really, because it just, it, it all happened in the space of two or three weeks, you know, and the, the, our world went turned upside down, really. It was just, the whole thing was completely surreal. And what was your dad's reaction when you walked in? He had no, he had no, well, he had, to be honest, when we first got there, he was, he was in a really angry mood. And I thought we'd made a huge mistake. He called every body in there. Well, I won't repeat it, but every name <laughs> under the sun. <laughs> um, 
and he was getting very he was getting very annoyed because uh, he when the band started and this there was always flutes started and he doesn't obviously he, he never sings with flutes before you know so it's just when he sings it's usually with like a piano player a drummer and that's it so when this full orchestra started I think it kind of knocked him and um, that kind of annoyed him and but what we did we took dad into the front of the orchestra and he was next to the concert and initially then he just suddenly thought oh this is a stage this is my audience and then he just came back and he was back to my dad's singing he had a great time he tells everybody now but when he went to london he's still he's still he's very confused but he always says i hope you should go to london because there's a big band there and you can sing with this band and you know so it's gone in you know it's like a big part of my dad's story really so isn't that amazing though how they can grab some things and they just hold on to it because it's such it has such meaning for them because you, you think there's you know will he remember it you know I mean because we don't we don't know with any of this stuff but things that really touch stay and um, and and how cool is that for for him to have that that special moment and granted it may fade over time but no matter how long it lasts you have it well very very neat did you also make a, a big band album as well. Yeah, we did. So, yeah, so because like overnight, we had like 250,000 people on the Facebook page. And then um, Dad released a single. And then all these people were saying, oh, are you going to make an album? Are you going to make an album? And Decca didn't want to make an album. And I thought, I've literally got like a thousand messages of people asking, Can you, would you make an album? So I was like, oh, you know, this is a big risk and I'm not sure what to do. So... I set up a crowdfunding page and I said, if you wanted to pay in advance for the CD, I'll put all that money into making the album. So we had about 5,000 orders in advance of this album. So we got the same people, the same band that made the original CD. And um, I took Dad to record, basically they recorded the tracks to Dad's backing tracks. And then I took Dad to a recording studio in Blackburn. And um, so he was singing over his, the orchestral versions of the backing tracks really. So so it was exactly the same time, really. Um, yeah, and it, took, it was quite, it, it, was, it was a long process, but it was, um, it was great, you know. We sp- I mean, the amount of t- I spent a lot of time with Dad, you know, singing these songs and getting them right and everything. And it was like, wow, you know, I thought, what a great thing to do, really. And it's, good, it's a good album as well. It's not like a bad album. It's a, it sounds great on it, you know. But <laughs> oh, fantastic. Can, now, can people still get the album now? Yeah, it is, yeah. And we give a donation to the Alzheimer's Society from every um, album sold. Yeah, it's on the website, which is songaminuteman.com, it is. Um, and, or you can get it from iTunes or Amazon as well. So, okay, yeah. great. Now, you also wrote a book about your dad. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that as well? Yeah, so, like, because um, it went, when I say it went massive, it went crazy. We had all these, like, people, like, all the press was asking about us and, it was frightening because all of a sudden you've got like a TV camera at your front door. <laughs> so um, it was very odd, but we had a number of publishers got in touch and said, can you write a book about dementia? And I was like, about my dad's dementia. And I didn't really want to write purely about dad's dementia. You know, I thought my dad's more than his illness. He's, there's a whole story about my dad's life and what he did as a singer. So yeah, the book's about my dad's life, really. I so I, I 
that was another gift because I, you know, I, I, I went down to Birmingham. I interviewed the whole family and I met people that dad had talked about all his life. And I'd never met these people, these old bandmates that he was with. And they described this guy when he was 17 and 18, like a completely different guy. You know, I just knew dad as dad, you know. And um, I, I was, it was really spiritual, you know, because I, I learned so much about dad and how, you know, he, his fears, his anxieties, his worries, and what he, what he wanted to do with his life when he was young. And, um, well, again, I think that's another great lesson to share with people in terms of capturing that history. I know with my, you know, my dad had brain cancer, my mom had um, dementia, but as friends would come and visit, I, I would hear stories I never heard as a daughter, but then as a grown woman, people were sharing these stories and it was like, oh, this is pretty funny, you know, or, oh, they did have a little wild streak in them. Those are fun memories though, because our parents are always trying to show us how to do things right and not necessarily tell us about when they screwed up or when they didn't make the best decision or they weren't on their best behavior. And then you're like, oh, they are human. (laughs) They are perfect. So you're on Facebook and you're under Song a Minute, if uh, if I'm not mistaken. So it would be www.facebook.com forward slash Song a Minute. And then your website is also songaminuteman.com. There's loads of videos of um, me and dad singing as well. So, Okay. So now are you going to take up recording yourself? <laughs> no, <laughs> definitely not. I'm really, <laughs> I can't sing. No. My dad's got a really good voice. He's, he's got a really strong voice. I, it's not been passed down. It really hasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it was because he's got a great voice, but it, it isn't. That is another thing that dementia taught me, though, is they don't really care what we sound like because I don't have a good voice either. My mom could always sing and it got me out of my shell and said, Oh, stop being embarrassed and intimidated that you're off tune. People just really care if you're having a good time. And if you're, you know, having fun, I mean, there's a few out there that'll roll their eyes and stuff, but most just, just want to have fun, you know, (laughs) engaged. And that allowed me to loosen up a little bit more, I think as an adult and not be so in the box and so worried about what everyone else is going to think of how I present myself (laughs) all the time. Um, Anything else that you'd like to share? The greatest thing I've learned really was like, when the video went viral, all these messages came in of people who were going through the same thing as we were going through. And like you realize there's quite a lot of people who are dealing with things alone and not talking to other people and not getting support. You know, the amount of times I've been like pushing, saying to people, oh, you, need to, you need to get some help and you need to like look after yourself and things like that. But you realize we were like that. We didn't, we didn't know what to do. It's nice to be able to connect people too, you know, to, to be that resource and kind of be that beacon of light for people. And like you said, there are so many people struggling with this alone not knowing where to go. What a gift you you and your dad have given the world by sharing your story. And so many of us, I think, are afraid to share our story because it might not be perfect. Well, none of us are. So let's get over that, <laughs> you know, to begin with. And let's just start communicating on what's important and, and how we're dealing with it. I appreciate your honesty, even with your dad saying, you know, he wasn't always a nice person. <laughs> And I didn't really know him. I think it was just the nature of father and son relationships. You know, I think 
they're just talking we were just talking cheese really but it's strange actually because now i think actually we're really similar <laughs> which is even more it's more frightening you know i mean um <laughs> That's my big less, lesson as well. I, I see now how similar me and my dad are, really. It's, that's kind of frightening. <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking the time to, uh, to share your story with us. And, again, I urge people to go ahead and go to their uh, Facebook page. Put in Song A Minute on Facebook, and you will go to their page. Or you can go to songaminuteman.com. And there you can you know, see some videos. You can buy the album or the book. Um, reach out to Simon if you want to chat with him. I'm sure he would be open to that as well. So again, just another wonderful life story shared. And again, I I so appreciate you taking the time to, to be with us today. So thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks. Hey everybody, Jared Sebastian, host of Retire Repurposed. This podcast is dedicated to help people transition into fulfilling and purposeful retirements. Retirement is a big life change. In fact, the two most dangerous years of a person's life are the year they were born and the year they retire. Few people could just flip the switch from working a career 30 or 40 plus years retiring on Friday without methodical steps to living what we call a repurposed retirement. To listen now, search Retire Repurpose on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio.